Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the Athletic Baseball Show's World Series preview. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris, and Britt Giroli. Britt is back. Welcome back, Britt. Britt is back. Let's make sure we keep the far angle, guys. Britt has not slept well in months. Oh, it's so hard <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> oh, like, man. what happened was he slept really great and my husband and I were super cocky. We're like crushing this. And then the last three <laughs> three nights, he's totally regressed. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't handle this. So sleep regression is real. Sleep regression is real. So I am here. I am ready. Let me tell you guys, I will never again say that a pitcher is laboring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know the true meaning of that word. Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. I think that's a fair adjustment to make, and I will try to do the same going forward now that I think about <laughs> it. Bad choice of words. But we have a great World Series matchup against uh, many odds. The Phillies are here, and I think it's more like retroactive to the beginning of the season and firing Joe Girardi and the things that have transpired over the course of the season. They have played very well throughout the postseason. They played well down the stretch to get here, so it's less surprising the further this goes, but we're going to break everything down for this matchup. We're going to look at how these two teams stack up. We're going to talk about the projected starting pitcher matchups. We're going to look at key bullpen considerations. Maybe even give you a few reasons why, if you are a neutral observer of the series, why you should root for each of these two teams. Maybe help you pick a side and We'll have series predictions full of waffling, guaranteed, or your money back. So, you know, we've got all that going for us as well. But I figured we should start with the tail of the tape. Take a look at how these two teams actually do line up. And one way to do that, of course, is to look back at the regular season. These two teams, from an offensive perspective, are actually fairly similar, right? Almost equal home run totals when you consider Bryce Harper missed a lot of time in the second half. Average OBP slugging, very close. The Astros, as they do in most matchups, strike out less than the Phillies. Both these teams draw a decent number of walks. Both these teams hit a good number of barrels. So, you know, I'll start with you. As you look at these two offenses, do you see one team having a clear upper hand in this regard? I think that strikeout rate matters the most in terms of separating these two teams. There are sluggers on both sides. Uh, there are some good patient ABs that are going to happen on both sides. But in terms of making contact, you know, Bryce Harper, as great as he is, I'm not throwing shade on him, especially that amazing moment that Oppo Homer, that was just uh, what a great moment. Uh, he can chase sometimes. He can strike out. Schwarber obviously uh, strikes out a fair amount. And even Nick Castellanos, who has an elite hit tool, uh, will strike out. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the top end talent, the sort of three, four, five hitters, I think that strikeout rate advantage is even more real. 
because if you think about Joran Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, those guys strike out a lot less than the trio of Schwarber, Harper, and Castellanos. What do you think, Britt, as you stack up yeah. these lineups, having watched them a ton here these last few weeks especially? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. know, I think that was the stat that kind of jumped out the most to me because we'll get into this later, but Houston is so, so good at home run suppression, right? And the Phillies are so an offense built on hitting the ball out of the ballpark. You take the strikeouts because the power is there. Well, what happens when the power goes away? And Houston is so good, again, at the home run suppression that I think that the K right is going to become even more magnified in this series. Um, Houston is a patient lineup. They're going to kind of work the Phillies, and they have a much better pitching staff, much more depth than the Phillies do as well. So I think that's something that's also going to come to play, but that immediately jumped out to me as well. These are two really good offenses. I think offense is where Philly can hang the most with Houston, certainly not defensively and certainly not uh, when it comes to pitching depth. But offensively, Philly is just a team that strikes out a little bit too much. And teams that don't strike out a lot tend to go deeper into the postseason. Uh, We saw the big disparity with the Yankees that one game, and it can absolutely crush any kind of rally. And I think we're going to see it here. A lot of home runs and big spots out of that Philly's offense. Yeah, I think that's going to be the key overall matchup, right? How, How much damage does Houston's pitching staff do to the Phillies offense and the the results we saw in that Yankee series, I think were pretty shocking because yeah, the Yankees strike out more as a team than the Astros. It was something we talked about in the series preview. It shouldn't have been that much of a difference. At least we didn't expect it to be that much of a difference as those games played out. If we see a similar script, then of course it's going to be That's, very tough sledding for the Phillies. It's a combination of, you know, the Yankees proclivity for striking out and, and also the Astros pitching. Right? It's not, uh, you know, as someone said, the get, the goal is not to not strike out. Uh, so if they'd been hitting homers, that'd been one thing. If they'd been striking out that much against a not great pitching staff, that'd been another thing. So it was a, a lot of sort of confluence of events. But yeah, there was uh, one game, I think, where the Yankees struck out like 24 times to like the four or five by the Astros or something ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, that sort of exacerbated the trends there a little bit. I think we should take a look at how these teams stack up from a pitching perspective as well. I mean, you can see if you're watching us live on YouTube or watching us after the fact on YouTube, team strikeout rate favors the Astros. Not a surprise, given what we've seen from them in October. Uh, Home run suppression, definitely a skill the Astros have. The Phillies have been better in that regard than I expected, considering the ballpark, considering some of the past bullpen issues, a full run difference, even a little more than that, favoring the Astros in terms of regular season ERA. And you look at the war numbers at the bottom, the Astros just incredible in that rotation, very strong bullpen. Phillies, not that far behind in the rotation, more of a gap with that group of relievers. And, And Britt, I think that's something that, is going to put a lot of pressure on the Philly starters to go deep in their starts, right? It makes the Nola and Wheeler games even more important because you want to minimize the number of relievers you're using if you're the Phillies. Yeah, if you're the Phillies and you're trying to map out a road to win, you have to win the Nola-Wheeler games because you can kind of get into it. You saw it in the Padres series. Like, they have bullpen games. They have guys who they just don't feel as confident with. Um, Those two Nola Wheeler, you can match up with anyone on Houston starting staff, right? Where it starts to get dicey, though, is if those guys don't go seven innings, then all of a sudden you're getting into the middle relief. Houston's middle relief would probably be 
back end of the bullpen guys in Philly, right? That's just kind of the difference. Maybe even closing the games for Philly. That's just the difference. Um, every time Philly got a lead in the NLCS, it was kind of like, okay, who's pitching and how do they get there, right? Their bullpen is just a cause for concern. It has been over the last couple of years. They did largely as a group get the job done against the Padres. All respect to San Diego, their lineup's not nearly as good and as deep as Houston's lineup is, though. So it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. And you're right. It puts a ton of pressure on Nola and Wheeler to go out there and, you know, really go deep into games. But as we've seen in the postseason, it's tough to do because Houston grinds out at bats and they work pitchers. And all of a sudden it's the fifth inning and the guy's at 110 pitches and you kind of got to make a decision there. So it's going to be really interesting to see their game plan on Nola Wheeler because Houston knows that, right? They know that these are the two guys that are going to come. These are the two horses here that they have. It'll be interesting to see how patient they are and what their game plan is of attack to get those guys out of the game early because it changes the total complexity of games one and two in Houston. Yeah, you know, here's an interesting thing. Uh, If you just look at the top six pitchers on both teams, I took three starting pitchers, three relievers. You know, if you just do that for both teams, um, the Phillies top six had a higher Fangraphs war this year. you know, that's might be surprising to some. The top six in Philadelphia had uh, 16.8 wins above replacement by Fangraphs, and Houston's top six had 14.1. So it's actually like a, a, a big, a big split. However, if you look at it, it's 160 innings more on the Philly side. So Houston's top six got right just in time, in other words, right? You know, you're talking about Lance McCullers as, as, you know, getting healthy just in time and joining that top six. And that's really important because Lance McCullers bumps somebody like Jose Urquidy, who had to pitch like 10 innings in the last World Series to, I don't know, break in terms of an emergency, you know, break glass in terms of in, in case of emergency. He hasn't pitched a single inning in the postseason. Uh, to your 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 depth piece about the bullpen, Ryan Stanek just set the single season record for the Astros uh, when it comes to uh, ERA, qualified ERA for a reliever. Just set the record. He's pitched two innings in the postseason uh, and seems to be like the fourth or fifth option, probably because of the command. I mean, he doesn't have great command, but anyway, I I did want to say that once you look at the top six, I would say it's almost equal like yes philly had the higher war but if you look at strikeout rate houston's strikeout rate was a little bit bigger higher uh uh, their walk rate is a little bit higher too but overall that houston's era of their top six was better their fip all those sort of metrics were a little bit better for houston but let's say you call it a uh close-ish on the top six then you know what philly needs to do you've seen it Washington Nationals. Yes, I am, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who sees the similarities. Britt, you covered the 2019 yes. Nationals. Yes. And when the they got 40 innings, good, you can do this. I, yeah. I did read this this morning, you know, that you wrote this. And I thought it was really interesting. And something we can dig into is, do you go that route? Because if you don't have a bullpen, but you've got some horses, that that is the best chance to win those games, is to just have those guys take the ball over and over and over again. There is can? a path. But who can like Wheeler just coming off of injury? Like, do you really want him 
you know, pitching yes. on his throw day. And yes, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, this it's is better the than World Series. Yeah, it's better than than Eflin, maybe, or uh, better than you know, behind whatever's behind Robertson. Yeah, I think you do. You you take those throw days away from guys, take the bullpen days away from guys, and you say, "Is this guy better than our best relief option?" And the answer for the Phillies is, "Yeah, that is the road." I mean, this we I'm sure we're going to get into this, but there is a road for Philly to win. I mean, Astros have lost twice to an NL East team that was the underdog, Atlanta and the Nationals. <laughs> and the Nationals were a wild card team. Yeah, I like this comment. Win at all. You got to float this comment. This is a pretty good comment. <laughs> you see that one? Yeah. Derek? Yeah. Let me see. What do we got? Oh, yearly Astros getting beat by a sub 90 win NL East team. Yeah. Let me show Series. it. I think I can show Ooh. it. There it is. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, but but 40 innings, uh, you know, the 40 innings, they did it with Scherzer had 10. Uh, Strasburg uh, Patrick Corbin had pitched out of the pen. 15. Corbin pitched out of the pen. Uh, so what you've got there is uh, sort of 35 <laughs> from your starters. And then Dan Hudson with like four and, and Doolittle with two. You know, <laughs> like so I guess the, the, the same idea would be Nola goes uh, twice and maybe pitches on his throw day yep. and Wheeler uh, pitches twice, maybe not deep into the games, maybe sort of like five innings each. Uh, and Ranger Suarez is your lefty reliever. That situational. Jose, yeah. Your situational, situational lefty yeah. reliever. That isn't Jose Alvarado. Uh, so that would mean they get it to game six or seven and Ranger Suarez steps on the mound to get uh, to get Jordan Alvarez out in the seventh inning with a runner on and like a one run lead. If that happens, the Phillies can win because that means that Suarez, you know, they're doing the plan of where their best six pitchers are going to get, you know, two thirds of all the innings. And, uh, and, you know, they have the lead in this little concoction that I've created. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A couple of important things have to happen there. Like one, these guys have to pitch well out of the bullpen easier said than done in May. And we're talking about really tough opposing stadiums in, you know, all the marbles here in these world series games. So that's, that is tough one. Um, and two, you have to have the starters go deep into their starts. You can't have Wheeler and Nola, do okay in their relief outings and then last four or five outings in their start because they're gassed or because, you know, they're just not used to this kind of a schedule. We've seen that a little bit from Scherzer, right? Yes. Where yes. like so we, they pushed him, they pushed him so far and they used him and he was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm going, but he wasn't as good when, you know, they needed him out of the bullpen. So yes, in LA that happened with Scherzer, uh, where he yeah. really just didn't, didn't have it. Um, also the nationals were four deep in that rotation that Anibal Sanchez, um, and all of them pitched well, all of them had really long starts and the NLCS. I think Sanchez went into like the seventh or eighth inning or something. I did so, notice that when um, I was looking, even when they lost the guys that, that, that pitched in the losses went deep. Yes. So it's going to be interesting Kept to guys see guys fresh. Yes, how Rob Thompson manages these guys, because Davey Martinez was pushing those starters, whereas more managers with better bullpens might take their starter out in the fifth or sixth inning. He was letting them go and kind of letting them get out of their damage because he figured a tired Max Scherzer, a tired Patrick Corbin 
was better than his, his fourth or fifth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I was really looking at it in their wins. It was just Dan Hudson and Sean Doolittle. Yes, there was the nobody only guys else. they trusted. Yeah. Nobody else could get the ball. And this was the reason nobody thought they could advance in the postseason. And their offense was not the Phillies. So there is a path for the Phillies to win. Um, and I'm certain they're looking at how the Braves did it, how the Nationals did it. Uh, and also all the pressure is on Houston. And the Nationals felt that too. I mean, they won in Houston. They clinched the World Series in Houston. All the pressure is on the Astros to keep, to win here, right? Because they're we've the seen favorite. Houston get there they're and back not win. Again, yes. You know, oh, this again. Yes. You know, yeah. There's something to that, I think. You know, there's a lot more pressure on the Astros to to kind of win and solidify the dynasty and really kind of separate themselves from the 2017 cheating scandal, right? Because I think we can you can finally say, okay. This organization is really good, even though they had the cheating scandal. But if they lose again, are they going to be that team that was just really good, but their one title over that stretch, we're not sure if it was earned, right? We're just going to kind of debate that forever. I think this would this be huge, important. I think, for the Astros in that in, in that regards, because they, there's been so much turnover. So there are very few players that are, you know, still core players that were there in 2017. Right. Um, so you can't, you're not really, you're, if they win this year, it's more like, hey, we got a fresh crop of guys and and did it you know it's a pretty amazing stat on top of all these factors that you mentioned sarah langs had this at slangs on sports on twitter the phillies won 19 fewer regular season games than the astros it's the second largest regular season win differential in a world series behind only 1906 when the white Sox won 23 fewer games than the cubs during the regular season but the white Sox won that world series anyway because that's how it works. It goes It goes back more than 100 years. Playoff chaos. It's not new. Yeah, yeah. playoff chaos. But also, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the balanced schedule does next year. Because, yeah. you know, I, I feel like the NL East was, what, the second best division in baseball this year? And, you know, maybe there's something to running that gauntlet as opposed to sort of beating up on the on the A's and the Angels all year. Um, and I know that's not what the Astros did, but if you look at what the division is, the division is harder for the Phillies. And I put forth to you this example, Derek Cardi has a projection system called the bat. The bat had at the beginning of the season, the Phillies as the second best team in baseball. So, uh, and that's behind the Dodgers and ahead of the Astros. So that's uh, I, that was sort of eye-opening for me to, to consider that. And I started looking at, uh, for example, the Guardians. Uh, the Guardians pitching staff. Everyone said, oh, this, this is a great pitching staff. You know, they, 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 you know look at their ERA. Look how, how well they've done. Um, well, I looked at what they did in division. They had a 3-2-7 ERA in the division. Out of the division, they had a 3-6-9 ERA. That's pretty big difference, I think. You know, so to, to some extent you know, teams have a divisional context that's going to be gone next year. So maybe we'll have a better sense of who's good and who beat up on bad teams next year. It's when everybody plays everybody. Yeah, that's a good point. Although the Astros didn't have some cakewalk to get here. Right. On a, on, you know, like they also didn't lose a game. They swept Seattle, who I thought played much tougher. The Seattle was better poised to beat Houston than the Yankees were. Don't you guys think mm. watching those games, Seattle, if not for, if not for that first game where they blew that big lead, where they brought Robbie Ray in, remember that they yes. had a chance to 
They had a chance, Seattle. I never thought New York had a chance watching this series. It didn't really seem like it. It never seemed like it. And there was a stat that, uh, you know, out of all the innings the Astros and Yankees played in the regular season, the Astros led in all but three of them. They owned them. They owned them during the regular season. I think that probably played a little bit of a factor. Remember, I remember they swept them and people were saying, well, it's only the regular season. Well, the Yankees didn't make these huge additions at the trade deadline where they were totally different team. Right. The same, the same group, and they haven't been able to beat Houston in years now in the playoffs. I mean, the Astros are kind of their daddy, no? That was the. Uh, I didn't say it. I, I didn't say it either. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it a lot uh, during that series, and it's been uh, confirmed here by Britt. So I, the, Nast- I mean, the Astros are are one of those teams that they're built well for regular season dominance, but they're also built well to be successful in October as well. They have the depth, but they also have the top of the roster talent and you need both. And I think what makes Philadelphia so dangerous is that they don't need depth and they can go toe to toe the way, Eno was breaking it down before when you take the top six pitchers and put them side by side, when you take the offenses and put them side by side, this is closer to even than people think, even though a lot of the narratives are going to be about Houston's dominance to get here, sweeping their first two series and winning more games in the regular season the way they did, right? I get it. I understand where that comes from. Poop happens, right? So you still have your, you have like, you think about it, you have these top three stars and these top three starters, right? And you're like, ooh, if we play them to a standstill, maybe we split the first two and we'll see what happens in games three. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Poop happens, though. Lance McCullers was not pitching well against the Yankees in that game four. Guess what happens if Lance McCullers does that again in the World Series? He's not in there still. He's not, he's not going to give up five. He's going to be out because they got Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, Ryan Stanek. They've got the B team, which is as good as anybody's A team that they can roll out, you know? So yeah. they're way more. That's what, that's the big difference for me is when poop happens, the Astros are way more likely to be able to do something about it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, as someone who is an expert in poop, well, baby poop anyway, <laughs> over the last couple of months, I agree. And I also think, though, on the flip side of that, Bryce Harper is in some kind of locked in mode, right? Um, we've seen Hoskins. He's been up, he's been down, but he's been really good. We've seen the Gene Segura experience, which is always very interesting. Dude, he's had some every big team needs one of those, dude. So, yeah. So, I, I also think, and listen, I was in Philly for those games. And I also, not to date myself, but I was in Philly the last time they were in a, a playoff series. And the home field advantage is real. I mean, these people are screaming at every strike. I mean, I like went to get a drink and thought someone hit a home run. It was like, no, he just threw a, a strike. I mean, they are so <laughs> into the game. The crowd matters in Philly. I think if Philly splits those first two, they have a real home field advantage. Um, they could at least force the series back to Houston. But Bryce Harper is on one right now, and he can just change the series on a dime like he changed the San Diego series on a dime. I mean, the Padres should have won that game, right? They had Josh Hader sitting in the bullpen doing God knows what, a Sudoku. I don't know. Like, what was, I, like why was he not in – any for of Bryce Harper, a lefty. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, like, listen. I get the, ma- I get like your guy. I get that he was doing well. I get that he's a great success story. But you want your best against the best, right? Like, what you, you put Hater in? You lose with Hater against the bottom of the lineup in the yeah. ninth. Oh, yeah. I know, oh, Melvin, I know. Such a bad move. Didn't anyone watch like Buckshaw Walter not use Zach Britton? You can't use your closer oh, too early in the playoffs. You just God. put him in. Put him in. Put him in early. 
Sometimes mm. the save is in the eighth inning. Um, you know, and I, so anyway, my long winded come around. Uh, I think that Philly and Harper, the way he's playing, can change a series. One big home run can be the can, poop that happens. <laughs> yes. Can change, can change this whole tenor. I just and think and the Phillies is real. The Philly I home just, crowd stuff is real. I think the secondary threats in the Phillies lineup are quite a bit more dangerous right now than what the Yankees had behind Aaron Judge, too, right? It's not just Harper or Bust. It's that Kyle Schwarber is coming through with big homers. Reese Hoskins is coming through with big homers. They have JT Real Muto, one of the best hitting Segura catchers in baseball. Segura can hit anything. Yeah, yeah. and Bowman Segura like are be good Two inches too, off the ground, he can hit it. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that's part of, part of why, if you said, how will this be different? How will the Astros pitching not dominate Phillies lineup, the way they dominated the Yankees lineup, part of it's just the depth is better. I, I trust those depth players, those secondary players, a lot more. I think those are tougher at bats up and down the lineup right now for that Houston staff to try and navigate. Now, I think Eno walked through the path for the Phillies to follow in the Nats' footsteps when my computer exploded for a few minutes earlier. <laughs> um, but we're going to break down the starting pitcher matchups and some key bullpen considerations here in just a moment. First, we've got a few words from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's get into these starting pitcher matchups. We have a little bit of clarity from the Phillies. It will be Aaron Nola in game one, Zach Wheeler in game two. I think the assumption is that game one on Friday is Nola versus Justin Verlander, and game two ends up being Wheeler versus Framber Valdez. After that, maybe there's a little bit more up in the air, especially on the Houston side because of the abundance of their options. Now, I was sneaking a peek at the Eno Saris pitching model to see what the differences were between these pitchers from that perspective. And the gap is actually pretty small. You know, I, I thought we'd see a little more of an edge uh, for Zach Wheeler in particular in game two. But I think if you like great pitching, you're going to see it from both sides in these first two games, especially. Yeah, I could see there being a split. Uh, one thing that uh, is interesting to me, you mentioned uh, Justin Verlander has what a, a five ERA or something in the World Series. Yeah, this is one of those weird things that you wouldn't expect, right? A 568 ERA and an 0-6 record in seven career World Series starts for Justin Verlander. Yeah, I just I, it's one of those things that's it's accrued in little bits over time. Like, you know, some of that might have been in 2006 when Pablo Sandoval like homered four times off him, which like <laughs> A is like, wow, that was a long time ago. B, Verlander's kind of a different pitcher since then. And C, Pablo Sandoval, man, that guy was crazy. So, yeah, Verlander you know, was 23 like, years old in that World Series. He's 39 yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know how relevant it is. I did look at his uh, because somebody asked me, "Oh, Verlander, like uh, Kershaw, all these guys that they're supposedly you know not good, not clutch in the postseason." Uh, Verlander's entire postseason, which is now 200 innings, uh, or 197 and two thirds, he 3.55 ERA in the postseason, 3.24 in the regular season. Uh, strikes out 27 guys, uh, 27% of the guys in the postseason, 25% of the guys in the regular season. Uh, walks 7% of the guys in the regular season and 
8% of the guys in the postseason. So if you look at sort of under the hood, sort of process stuff, almost all the same. The only difference is, I would say, is 1.3 homers per nine in the postseason, 0.9 homers per nine in the regular season. And yeah. I, I just think that's interesting because there's a couple things going on there. Homers per homers per nine, that that sort of thing, you usually want a long sample to like be like, oh, that guy is homer prone. You could have a guy pitch a season and a half and give up a ton of homers, figure something out and not give up a ton of homers, and you wouldn't know what his true talent was. But with 200 innings, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe there's something here. The other thing is he's seeing better, better teams in the postseason. Like you'd almost expect him to give up more homers. Like you're gonna see the Philadelphia Phillies in the world series and in the postseason, you're not going to see the Oakland athletics this year. You know what I mean? I thought to beat up on them again, but they were a pretty bad team this year. But so, so you naturally think, Oh yeah, maybe his homer rate will be a little bit higher. So I think there is something there and there isn't something there. What's not there is I think he's the same guy in the postseason. I don't think that there's really a difference. What is there is that it's a tougher lineup. And if he's going to give up more homers, well, the Phillies are the type of team that could give up, that could take advantage of that and hit a homer off him. So, uh, I would I the, the long story short, I see a split in the first two. That's that's how I see it. I don't know who's gonna step up, Noller, Wheeler, Verlander, Fromber, you know. But I think one or you know one on each side is just gonna lose a close game. Yeah, that I could see that. I mean, if you look at Seattle. Um, they really had a good game plan against Verlander. He did not pitch well at all. They were all over him. I think if you're Philly, you go and you look at what they did. You look at how that can fit potentially into what your lineup can do. But it's interesting. I didn't look at the numbers at all, you know, because as you know, you're the numbers guy. But <laughs> just, just watching Justin Verlander in the postseason a lot, I was going to say he gives up a lot of home runs. That That mm. is it just Immediately, it was something that jumped to mind. I think he gave up a bunch in 19 against the Nets. Um, he's just Pablo a guy Sandoval. who, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in his heyday, man, that guy was on one. Um, yeah. I, I do think that with a lot of these great pitchers, Max Scherzer was the same way. He's a home run prone guy. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get Britt back. Everyone's going to have tech issues today during the show, apparently, that's, which is just, just charming. So you're next, apparently. <laughs> I'm with you. I think these first two games probably come out a split just because there's so little to separate the starting pitching because the Phillies can be limited mostly to their A relievers. All of those things do work in their favor early in the series. I think where things are going to get really sloppy are in the middle games of this series. That's where things could totally unravel on the Phillies. I'm not sure how they're getting 27 outs without without having some issues in games three and four in particular i think the advantage uh goes back to uh the, the astros pretty squarely so i think you, you might come out of those first two games one one uh, but i'm gonna take uh, lance mccullers over ranger suarez and then i'm really taking uh christian javier over uh you know Syndergaard, falter at all um in that game so now, now you're looking at 3-3-1, three, three, um, and you're going back to Houston, and you could say, all right, now we get Verlander Nola back on the mound. You know, you still have a lot of pressure to just you, – you have to win out. Yeah, and I, I think, Britt, to your point, that was cut off when your computer did what mine did a little while ago. 
Uh, Anthony has a comment on the stream. Phillies went extremely aggressive against Freed and Strider early in counts and could try to do that against Verlander, which is what the Mariners seemed to do when they got to him, right? It looked like the Mariners were going to steal the first game of that series with that approach. That could be something the Phillies try to employ against hit, them. Hit, hit one of those high yeah. fastballs that's not above the zone, but in the zone early in the count. You know, try to yeah. get one of those high fastballs before he can drop the breaker and elevate the fastball above the zone, get something that's in the zone still. Yeah. See, I think that they, you see the way you have it set up, you know, they lose all three games in Philly. Um, right. You have it as one to one series. Split Maybe they can they... steal one of those. I don't know which yeah. one it is, but I think they steal one. I don't think they lose all three games in South Philly with that crowd. I think. Oh, that's that, yeah. That's a good as point. you said, the bullpen is really, you know, the Noah Syndergaard bullpen ish game is tough to win, except they did that against the Padres. They won that bullpen. game. They, they have to score 10 runs to do it, but they can do it. And but, they can. Um, but that was a bullpen versus a bullpen. Whereas this is going to be a bullpen versus Christian Javier. Which I, yes. I don't and think they that's could get to McCullers. Thing. They could get to McCullers though. I think the Suarez game is interesting. Suarez, it, they could, if they win the Suarez game, now they're up two one, Yeah. you know, and then they can lose the bullpen game, be two, two. That's, that's, that's the sort of Phillies win pathway. Yeah. That's the game where they could, you know, if they hit him really well, they could, Kind of sneak that one in. Now, listen, they may have to score 10 runs again because the Astros are so good lineup-wise that even if they get a bad outing from their starter, they, they still may have to really outslug them. But if there's one thing I think they are capable of doing, it is having some offensive outpour. And again, I think the crowd factor is in here a lot. I really they do. I could win a lot some of game parts. nine to six, 10 to six. You know, they, yes. won, they did that. Yes. It is a tough place to play. I know Houston's a tough place to play. They have great fans. A lot, all these stadiums have great fans. Philly is unreal. Um, it is just a little bit of a next level atmosphere. I have a hard time believing that they don't steal one of those three games, at least in Philly. Is it weird that if you gave me the choice between Christian Javier and Lance McCullers, I strongly prefer Christian Javier. I would use Facing him earlier. I, I, oh, no, I don't want to face either one of them. I'd, I guess I'd, I'd rather face McCullers. I, I don't think I want to face McCullers either. I think there I, might be a question of length, but I, there's probably a question of length of lengths for colors too. Right. And I, I just think Javier might be a little bit more effective. So I think I'd want to use Javier in game three and have him more available or have him available for a longer window at the end of the series, as opposed to mm. using him in game four and maybe having him for a, an inning or two less in those final three games. If it goes that far. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, listen, they could have purposely had set, had that set up thinking like, Hey, we like our chances for one and two, you know, maybe we lose one of these next two. Like they could have actually set up um, a color so that they think they have a rested bullpen or, you know, like there, there could be a reason why he's four and Javier's three beyond just let's go one, two, three, four. Right. They could analytically that the interesting thing now um, is that after there are travel days in this series, after we saw these crazy five games in a row, potentially, you know, like wearing out the bullpen, potentially we do have, those built-in travel days in the World Series now. So Phillies and Astros bullpen will get that reset now on Sunday. And then they may get a reset again if this series ends up going back. Right. Maybe they think Javier goes longer. Right. So they have McCullers go first. They use the bullpen in that game. Javier goes longer and gives them, you know, gives the bullpen a rest in the middle game. And then they can use the bullpen again in the last game. Yeah, a lot of factors to consider. Plenty of things that go into a decision like that. Part of the bridge here, of course, the bullpen considerations. And I was thinking about this just from the Phillies' perspective. If you get to a high-leverage spot, 
who do you want out of that bullpen? Who do you really want to have pitching to Jordan Alvarez? Somebody has to do it. But who in that bullpen do you trust the most? We'll go to you first, Britt. Ooh, who do I trust them? Against- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hard to trust anyone against Jordan Alvarez. But yeah, who- I mean, I guess. I, I mean, they seem to like Alvarado. I, I mean, I think you don't want Eflin in those games. If mm-hmm. you can help it, you want him to kind of be your like, this is the white flag. We're kind of waving on this game. Um, I don't want anybody. He's the third best reliever, Brad. <laughs> I, I know that's the problem. It's like I don't want anybody in that bullpen pitching Alvarez with the game on the line if their names aren't Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Really, right? I mean, I mean, Alvarado, is- lefty sinker. Al- that's, that's Alvarado one thing. would be my guy. The 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 one thing that the Mariners were doing and it didn't do it didn't ha- it didn't go well. So, I'm, you know, <laughs> do it better than the Mariners did it. But if you look at the heat maps, Alvarado, uh, Jordan Alvarez has a little bit of weakness to uh, inside sinkers from lefties um, and low and inside. And that's what Ray was trying to do. He just left it too, too up and, and, and too over the heart of the plate. Um, Alvarado also has a much better sinker than Robbie Ray. So uh, I, I think that Alvarado is the matchup they want. However, you may need to face Jordan Alvarez twice in the late innings with the game on the line. And my name might be a surprise. The second one is David Robertson because the two pitches that Jordan Alvarez did the worst against this year uh, were the cutter and the, uh, the curve. And David Robertson's fastball has natural cut and he has that, the curve is his best pitch. This year, Jordan Alvarez slugged 368 against uh, cutters and uh 410 against curves and that may not sound that amazing they're way better than the other slugging numbers if you want to hear he slugged <laughs> 800 off of changeups he slugged 671 off of four seamers so like that that counts you know having a 400 slugging combined against those two pitches that counts as uh this is the best we can do so yeah. if it's like the sixth inning uh, and Jordan Alvarez is up with guys on. I I think it might be David Robertson. They've been using Robertson in the late innings, though, and he did not look good in the NLCS. He had some serious command issues. You want to fall hurt. behind? You want? I know you want to fall behind three zero to a guy like that. No, two zero, two one. I don't even want to face him. That's what I mean. Outside of Alvarado, <laughs> I don't want anybody else facing him. I mean, I do. You just yeah. do you just throw up the four and walk him every time? Like that could be a legitimate thing. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Hmm. Well, it's, yeah, the situation has to be right, but it's it could be something the Phillies turn to a little bit more often. I we'll can't believe that Robertson hurt himself celebrating. It's just uh, chef's it's, kiss. It's so it's just so sad, and it's like relatable as someone who's also approaching <laughs> forty years old and getting hurt doing mundane things. Like at least he was at least he was celebrating something. Like that's yeah, uh, not that's just uh, reaching for the toothbrush. Right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> not going for the toothbrush. Not going to get a yeah. glass of water out of the fridge. And you know, yeah. those things happen all the time. On the other side, aside from Ryan Presley, we know the Astros have a great bullpen. But when they have a situation like the one you described. For Alvarez, maybe we're talking about the sixth inning. Starters are out of the game. Which of those relievers are you seeking out to use against Harper? And we'll say Kyle Schwarber, too, since he's another very powerful lefty that can change the game with one swing. Yeah, you know, it's a tough it's a tough uh, matchup, those lefties, because the Astros don't have a lefty in the pen. Um, yeah, they and... haven't the last few years. 
Yeah, and it's tempting uh, to to mention Rafael Montero, who has a good sinker and a good changeup, and has been a guy they've used against certain lefties. Um, but I looked at Bryce Harper's heat map, and this is the weirdest thing. Uh, he's really good uh, against changeups, like everywhere. Um, and you know, you have to be very fine with a changeup to Rice Harper. Like you, if you leave it up at all, he's going to really damage it. So you really have to dot the bottom of the zone. Now Montero's pretty good at that command. The guy that I would use against Bryce Harper is Ryan Stanek. Yeah. And the reason I would use Ryan Stanek is because Stanek goes high, high, higher, or Abreu. Both of those guys use their four seam high, high, higher. So I'm assuming that Abreu is who you use against Harper in like the eighth. But if you have a sixth inning situation, like the David Robertson situation, Ryan Stanek is my guy because he uses the high fastball. And the one place where uh, where Bryce Harper will chase is a uh, high fastball above the zone. Yeah. You just have to trust would... that Stanek doesn't leave it middle, middle. That he's done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I was going to go with Stanek as well, you know, so we're kind of on the same page. But it is interesting and I think not off talked about that the Astros just haven't been a bullpen that's had this standout lefty. I remember in 19, it was a big deal. They had no lefties either. Um, I believe last year, they really didn't have – they may have had one. They, they were just not a bullpen. They, they've been They don't prioritize it, I guess. Yes, yeah. they don't. And they don't suffer for it at all. So it kind of makes you wonder, do you really need those situational lefties in your bullpen? They've just kind of been a bullpen that's been able to get righties and lefties out, um, which – you would prefer, especially now with the rule change and trying to kind of eliminate that like one out kind of guy. But it's interesting that Harper, there's no real answer for him. There's no Josh Hader like the Padres had and didn't again decided to not pitch. But there, there's no hey, this guy is specifically going to pitch to this guy when we need it. There's none of that in Houston's bullpen. But I think I, they feel comfortable with that. Yeah, I think they must feel comfortable with it because they research basically the shapes on the pitches. And, you know, how those interact with with uh, batter swing paths, because I, I remember in the uh, ALCS, I think it was, um, they went from one righty. They went from Montero to Abreu, um, where Montero had only seen like two batters or something. And there was a righty at the plate. So they went there was a righty at the plate. and There was another righty at the plate and they switched righties relievers. And I was like, oh. This is like this is like a uh, this is like a pitch shape thing, you know. Um, it was it was actually against the Mariners, I think. And it was like just a one type of swing, and I think they even mentioned that sort of Ty France's, you know, flat swing would play better against this one reliever versus the other. So um, I, I would guess that Montero is their secret lefty, you know, with the with the the arm slot and the and the type of pitches he has. So, you know, having a changeup that floats away from the left-handed hitter and down to the to the bottom of the zone is something that makes him useful against lefties. We hinted at this a little bit earlier, and I was trying to make a list of reasons to root for one of these teams. If you're just a neutral observer, maybe you're just like they're a casual fan in general, or your team didn't even play in the postseason. You're like, I want to pull for somebody. I have reasons for each side, and I'm curious uh, if you have more to add. Why root for Houston? I've got Dusty Baker with a 50-plus year career as a player and a manager with no titles to show for it yet. I think that's like top of the list. You want to root for the, the guy invented here? the high five, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. 
that, that's pretty prolific, right? Yeah. I think other things, Justin Verlander could shake off the World Series performance narratives. It'd be nice to see him pitch really well for a couple of starts and just kind of push that aside. That'd be fine. And then Jordan Alvarez, who's been one of the best hitters in baseball since showing up in 2019 to see him get a World Series. That's a cool thing to root for, too. My why root for Philadelphia list was they're not Houston. Uh, it's Bryce Harper's first appearance in the World Series, and we spend a lot of time whining, I guess I'll say, about Mike Trout not playing October baseball. And for years, it was Harper Trout, yeah. Harper Trout. Well, now Harper's here, so let's let's see the star shine also, through and, and win. Yeah. And, and and like pro spending on players, like yeah. the Phillies went out and bought some players. Like they went and spent money and got better. And here yeah. they are, you know, like let's reward teams that try. Yeah. Um, I guess the flip side is, you know, <laughs> rooting for player development <laughs> is, is, I don't know. It's kind of a double-edged sword. <laughs> you can't really root against, you can't really root for that. Yeah. And then realize, like, you're kind I know of, they're kind of intertwined, right? Like, yeah. oh, let me root for player development, but I also like them spending on players. But but I also, it is kind of cool um, to see a team with its own players, you know, like develop its yeah. own players and like bring Jeremy Pena, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, yeah. like Luis Garcia, Christian Javier. Like they, they brought all these guys up within the organization and, and made them better. And they made them better with all, like all the best data and tech they could do. And like, there is something cool about that. But uh, in terms of like, you know, the players, the players would probably be rooting for the Phillies for a couple of reasons. I mean, there's the cheating scandal. Then there's also the, the, the Phillies are pro free agency. Shall we say? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple different reasons. Also like uh, Rob Thompson's a hard guy to not root for. He's a baseball guy. He's a kind of a lifer. If you're a Yankees fan, he came from the Yankees background, right? So you kind of appreciate him and the job he's done on the Astro side. Trey Mancini, cancer survivor, now in the World Series. How do you not root for that guy, even if you hate Houston and hate all their players? How do you root against Trey Mancini? I think that's a kind of a something to root for as well. And people like the underdogs, right? And the Phillies are the underdogs here. I mean, this is a team that has an, at an interim manager. They fired Joe Girardi, and they're in this World Series. So there's some interesting things, I think, on both sides that you can kind of root for. Everyone loves Dusty in this game. So it will be interesting when the nationals were in the world series in 19. I know they heard from so many people that were like, beat those cheaters. Like people thought they were cheating for a long time in the baseball circles before it was proven in the athletics report. Um, but I'm curious now if that perception has changed because the team is so different now. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people were kind of made it the nationals Astros out to be like, okay, people who believe in player development versus computers, people who believe in like, you know, more old school approach versus analytics. And I don't think that's the case here with Philly at all. I think Philly is a team that still embraces that side of things. I just am curious how many players are like, you know what, can somebody besides Houston be there? Can somebody just beat Houston once for all? I don't know if that feeling still exists as much in these clubhouses. I think this is a more likable Astros team than it has been. You know, like oh, and as how many people Eric points out here, that? how many people are left over? I mean, to me, like you think of you think of sort of Bregman, Altuve and, you know, Altuve's, you know, being lumped in with it is, is has been something that's been debated very much. So, you know, did he benefit as much? You know, did he right. did he even take part? That was a big part of it. Um, and then you kind of focus on the hitters for that bit. Uh, so I think that's I mean, 
was Brantley even on that team? I don't think so. I think he got signed after that. Yeah. So not so- that many left over. I, one thing I also think about is if you're a fan of a team that um, has made it, has been really good for a long time, but doesn't have that many titles to show for them. Um, like the I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Like it, doesn't, it doesn't work with the Dodgers. I know. I know. I was going to go with the Braves because I grew up in Atlanta. And I remember being so annoyed that people like wouldn't give us the dynasty tag because the Braves only won one in that, you know, that 10 year dominant uh, cycle they had. And so, you know, in that case, you know, the Astros should have another title for their dominance. They've been a dominant team. They've been a dynasty, you know, um, and so they should have another title, uh, quote unquote. But yes, uh, Dodgers fans, I, no, no amount of words that I can spend here will convince a Dodgers fan to root for the Astros, I don't think. Don't <laughs> even bother. But one more segment to go. We're getting to our predictions in just a minute. Just one more word from one of our sponsors. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. All right, we've got our series predictions. We've got the series winner, and we have MVP predictions as well. You may have noticed if you're watching us on YouTube, we've been scrolling some MVP odds around the bottom of the screen for the last 20 minutes or so. Britt, I will give you the floor first. Who wins the series? How many games does it take? And who is your MVP? Astros in six. And I'm going to go Alex Bregman. I think Alvarez is the trendy pick. Like You're like, ah, oh, guy's got to do something. But when Bregman gets hot, he's very impressive as well. And I can see him just having a ridiculous series. And I just don't see anybody beating Houston four times in seven games. And in my case, six games. I think Houston Houston does away with this. And Philly, you were a nice story. But let's be honest. I always hated on you and our podcast. So I can't pretend to be rooting for you now. <laughs> I like that you're sticking to the Philly hate. The consistency yeah. is yeah. very much appreciated it's- and respected. <laughs> <laughs> somebody was going to point it out, but I was like, oh, they're done when they fired Joe Girardi. So, you know, they've proved me wrong. They proved many other people wrong. I'd happen to be wrong again. I just don't see it happening. All right. What do you think, you know? Uh, Astros and six. <laughs> He's already starting to walk. <laughs> well, I got the split uh... one, one. And then I really, I kind of think that even if I give the Phillies one of the next three, uh, that makes it three, two Astros going home. 
So, yeah, I've got the Astros in six. Um, the MVP is interesting. I wanted to read through some of the past MVPs. There's there's a really obvious um, kind of split that happens. Last year, Jorge Soler, the year before, Corey Seager, Steven Strasburg, Steve Pierce, mm-hmm. George Springer, yeah. Ben Zobris, Salvador Perez, Madison Bumgarner, David Ortiz, Pablo Sandoval, David Fries, Edgar Renteria, um, you know, Hideki Matsui, Cole Hamels, Mike Lowell, David Eckstein, Jermaine Dye. So I put the emphasis on the uh, sort of role player that gets hot and goes nuts. So I think chalk is Jordan Alvarez, you know, just uh, doing his thing. But we just saw Jeremy Pena, um, uh, you know, win the ALCS. So Chaz McCormick. Oh, wow. you went MVP. Wow, went put so money on far. that. You went so far down the list. I don't think McCormick even made the scroll. He's not even in there. Uh, uh, he's in the he's in the uh, Steve Pierce, uh, yeah. uh, David, David Freeze, Mike Lowell, David Eckstein, uh, Jermaine Die uh, category. There, please do me a favor. Put five bucks on that guy. Uh, <laughs> Three the, the Oppo payout. homers. <laughs> Payout's gonna be enormous. Well, uh, I do think it's more fun to bet long shots. Oh, this is the reason reason why. McCormick's from Philly. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so extra heel factor doing it uh. at home in front of his uh, friends and family, most likely. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I can see that. I'm going to take the other side. I've been too cowardly to pick the Phillies ever since I picked them to knock off the Cardinals. I've shied away from them for the rest of the postseason. I'm back on board. I'm back on the train. I don't even know how they're going to do it. The middle of the series scares the hell out of me. Maybe it makes me feel better that they're actually going to play those games at home. They can just win ugly at home and get away with it. Maybe part of my script is that they'll find a way to win the first two in Houston when the starting pitching matchups are even or maybe even slightly in their favor in those cases. So, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how much Crisco and Lube and other slippery stuff they're going to need to protect all the poles in Philadelphia. They probably don't have enough, so send more. <laughs> I think the Phillies do it. I think they do it in six. I do think Bryce Harper is the MVP. I would not recommend voting or uh, betting Bryce Harper for MVP. Because he's the favorite. Because he's the favorite, right? You want to get some value. So I'd probably go down somewhere to like Reese Hoskins at plus 1800, right? You want to get some value on a bet like this because he's got power. He can change a couple of games with a few swings, just like, just like anybody else up and down this lineup. So I'd go to Hoskins. Wow. Philly's in six. I think if they win, it's going to go seven. Wow. It's going to be the stunning thing. How did this happen? Houston was so amazing and so dominant. People are going to be stunned. I actually think Phillies and six is a little bit more likely than Phillies and seven, just because Phillies and seven means that they're going to win like four games in Houston. (laughs) I kind of like, I buy, I kind of buy your narrative a little bit more that like, maybe they just sweep at home. Maybe, you know, and then win it in six or something like that. Yeah, I I guess. Yeah. Even, well, I just, I think the, the pitching difference in games three through five, if the Phillies win all three games at home, that is unbelievable to me. Yeah. Like, that seems almost impossible. I know it's They're not. They're faded. Yeah. It, it'd be yeah. stunning if that happened. But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I think the Phillies pull it off. I don't know. I, I didn't get a chance to look at the staff predictions piece yet, but I imagine it's heavy, heavy Astros. 75% right? Astros. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy to be the outlier here. Any other thoughts before we go? I feel like Britt did a really good job of having hot takes ready 
from her time away. She dropped in several throughout the episode. I know she really pushed me to that Chaz McCormick thing. You know, guys, I watched a lot. Of, I watched a lot of TV. You know, I, I didn't miss a beat. I watched so much baseball when I was on leave because I was home all day. We I had an off season baby, so it was like all Law and Order for us. We oh, watched like every yeah. single Law and Order. Always, always on. That was my daytime go to. I yeah. watched MLB Central, and then I'd switch over to Law and Order, and then it would be like, okay, is it seven o'clock yet? Why are there no day games on? And then I watch baseball the rest of the night. <laughs> That is incredible. Well, if you'd like to read our coverage throughout the series and you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get one for a dollar a month at theathletic.com slash baseball show. On Twitter, Britt is at Britt underscore Giroli. Eno is at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Ben Riper. That's going to do it for this episode of The Athletic Baseball Show. We are back with you on Friday. Green light 3-0 and-